Welcome to Brand Appeal, where we talk about brand storytelling in the digital age. I'm your host, Shannon Peel, and today I talked with Daniel Francavilla about SEO, that search engine optimization. And if you want to get more people to your website, it is something that you need to do. So keep listening to find out how you can drive more organic traffic to your website. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me here today on Brand Appeal, and I have one question for you. What do you want to be known for? Oh, uh, helping businesses grow, scale, and meet their goals from a business perspective. That's kind of why I wake up in the morning. That's a good, quick, good question. Nice, nice start. <laughs> <laughs> start with the hard questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to businesses, let's say I have a problem. What problem would I be having that would tell me, hey, I need to call Daniel? Searchability. We specialize, our agency, Digital Elevator, specializes in SEO, content marketing, pay-per-click, and website development. So all those things kind of tie in in our, have a parent uh, emphasis in SEO and searchability. So if you are building a brand or if you have an existing brand and you're trying to drive more traffic or brand awareness to it, then that's what you call us. That also leads into lead generation and money sales you said the magic word there didn't you yeah that's right because seo is one of those things that people go oh that's just complicated i don't understand that and they don't look at it and they put up their website and then they wonder why they don't get traffic right why would someone need a specialist in seo in order to ensure that they get traffic it's a certain type of person we kind of position ourselves for the people that know they need it or already have it i've been doing this almost 12 years and I've never convinced somebody that didn't know that they needed SEO to get SEO and I don't try. Somebody's like comes to me and they're like, why should I do this? I don't I don't want to talk to that person, right? And that's if you're somebody new and considering SEO, we're all using Google, right? And if you're trying to drive leads to your business, if I think there's a point in every business where maybe you're really good at what you do, maybe you have a good referral or, or network stream and you can get to a certain point. And if you're happy with that, fine, maybe, then I, maybe you don't need SEO. You're, you know, if you're, if you're, you're kind of old school, you know, like my dad has never really relied on SEO, mm-hmm. for example. But if you get to that point where you want to scale and generate a lot of inbound leads that aren't from, you know, going to breakfasts and you know, rotary meetings and doing that kind of thing, then I think that's when you start to consider some of their marketing issues, whether it be pay-per-click or SEO, where people are actively searching for your service, but they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And you know, the end result is a potential lead or uh, the magic word again, sale. It really depends on what level you're at. And that said, I don't re- necessarily recommend SEO to everybody even. Well, I like that answer because you're right. SEO is not, not every website needs SEO. It right. depends on the objective. It depends on where they want and what their site is set up to be. There are multiple ways and multiple channels to get people from wherever they find you to your website and to then into your funnel, into your sales funnel. Well, let's say I, you know, I know about SEO. I'm tired. I don't want to do it myself though. So I'm going to look to something, someone like you, what would I be looking for? Because there's a lot of people out there that claim to know about SEO, but they know enough to be dangerous. Case studies have a lot to do with showing somebody's expertise as well as third-party review sites. Those have kind of gotten more popular lately, like Flutch. 
Flush is a really good kind of third-party review site that will actually call your clients and vet them. So you can't just have your, your wife or something give you a five-star review. And I know a little bit. I know how to write. I have a little extra time. I can mess around on WordPress or Wix or whatever, but what do I what do I need a specialist for? And it, it really comes down to, to results and competition, I think is the biggest driver of SEO for anything. If you're trying to rank palm tree sales in Alaska, you, you don't really have much competition, but if you're kind of in any other business, everything's so competitive now. If you want a good return on your marketing dollars, then I think you need either a specialist or, or maybe an agency kind of depending. And then, if who you're seeking maybe has a little background in the industry that you're in, that can be helpful just based on relationships or maybe experience. I think I also think that SEOs or a lot of agencies are kind of like accountants where it's like numbers are numbers and SEO is SEO. We can kind of work in any industry, but some people really like the, the idea of a specialization in, in certain industries and, and it, it just certainly doesn't hurt. So, you know, if you're a dentist and you want somebody with dental experience or something. I mean, there's a lot to SEO. Let's talk about backlinks first, because you just mentioned maybe you want someone that's niche or maybe you don't. When it comes to backlinks, is it better to be on, to get those backlinks from sites that are in your niche or that talk about the same thing that you talk about? Yeah, 100%. So if you are a dentist and you're looking for someone who does SEO for dentists, they would be able to get those links faster just because they've gotten them for someone else. Is that- yeah, I mean, they might have a network. So let's say some dentist comes to me and I work with three other dentists and I can now potentially, you know, write some contextually relevant content on my existing client sites and write some contextually relevant content on the new client site and then have a, a nice link. Not That's that I encourage reciprocal uh, reciprocal linking we don't really do that yeah so for in that capacity you know there's three links that maybe you have and they're from the same vertical right and i'm also yeah. thinking uh, authority sites or, or someone has an authority site on beauty you would already probably have connections within that area with those blog owners and website developers in order to guest post something to get yeah and if you knew to ask that you what kind of relationship do you have categorically you want some of the similar things you know and i think where a lot of people go wrong with link building in particular is they'll team up with someone who builds links and they just they build links on these sites that cover everything like they, they cover marketing they cover health they cover cars and like crypto kind of jack of all trades, master of none sites. And yeah, they might have a, a great domain rating and these software metrics we make up to, to validate the authority of a website, but the links really aren't that powerful. If agency has spent enough time developing relationships, yeah, like we may have a, a Rolodex of people we can contact and be like, hey, we worked before in the past. You know that we're going to create maybe a good guest blog post for you. It's not going to be terribly written, 200 word, non-helpful blog like you know it's going to be good for your readers and then maybe actually people actually click on that link and visit your client site which people don't even seem to think about you know it's all about the link you made another good point because there is that argument between follow and no follow or no follow links even beneficial i think i think they can be i mean there's in a natural link profile there should be no follow it's, it's a no follow link so if we got a link from forbes then forbes is 
at Nofall. That's still a really good link. You got brand exposure, you got brand awareness on a massive platform, which is kind of the whole purpose of that kind of exposure. The likelihood that those people actually make it to your site because Forbes mentioned you or, you know, the journalist mentioned you is high. So I'll take a Nofall link like that for a client and something like that, you could in theory say that's worth like $7,000 or something. Not all links are created equal. I think most agencies don't actively try to seek out and place nofollow links as part of the outreach process. But if they're going to secure something, this is worth it. You know, we're going to, at least we're going to get some traffic. So why would a site like Forbes do all nofollow? I think they don't want to dilute the quality of their external links. So they don't want to necessarily give credibility to everybody because a lot of these highly credible sites are they're linking out. And it's it's almost like contrary to what I just said, where a site like Forbes will cover all those topics I said, you know, they'll cover marketing, we'll cover crypto, and but they're Forbes, they're, they're CNN, they're Fox. Google has a preference for the sites. We know Google loves big brands, Google loves big media. It's making SEO harder, it's making it more difficult for every brand, and you're seeing it in the cost of pay-per-click uh, if you're if you're going that avenue, paying ads through Google. And then, then now there's kind of like the advertiser links and there's other different tags for links that Google's asking sites to roll out and that's the whole other animal. Right. Because if you pay for a link, it is to be a nofollow link. Right. One thing, you know, Google's, okay, this is okay. And then someone figures out how to game it. Google's, okay, someone's gaming it. Okay, we need to shut this door. So we're going to do it this way now. It means you've got to step up your game in a lot of ways and always be reading and knowing what's coming down the pipeline from the Googles and Bings and DuckDuckGo's of the world. How do you keep up? Yeah, I mean, good question. It, it used to not be so bad. I'd probably say as, as long as two years ago, I didn't have to be reading every single algorithm update or paying attention because we were doing great. It was, we, we were white hat. We'd create good content. Mm-hmm. We'd build good links. We'd follow the other Google best practices from their webmaster tools, emails, and everything was working. I mean, for the first time in, in 11 years, we had a client get penalized. Like it never happened to us. We spent six months trying to figure it out. Me and my lead SEO, who's, I'd say, probably one of the best SEOs in the world, put him up against anybody, and we couldn't figure it out. So we had to bring in a, a specialist algorithm recovery company. And all they do is an audit. All they give you recommendations. They don't do any work. So you still have to go back and do it. Mm-hmm. This client was in the alternative medicine space, which Google so sites they hate them. Why? Um, uh, well, so so Google partners with they deem as as credible healthcare sites in, in this instance, right? So like Harvard Healthcare System or like Cleveland Clinic, you know, some of these some of these bigger houses, right? So they they actually partner with them. They'll look at the content that they produce because these are credible companies, right? They, they are credible healthcare systems. If the alternative medicine sites content contradicts what those sites are saying, Google doesn't necessarily want to encourage the rankings of that. Let's look at cancer and treatment and, and they say chemo and XYZ, right? And then the alternative medicine sites say like CBD and change your diet. Google doesn't like that. If you get too much of it, you get really heavily scrutinized. So for this client, for example, and dissect our site and it was like, it came back to this authorship thing uh, as part of one of the the one of the factors that they identified and, and to your point like how do you keep up with this thing so like with the authorship thing specifically years ago google went went real hard in the paint with authorship and you know linking your author tag to to the blogs you wrote and then having this 
you know, Google associated author profile. And that lasted, I don't know, a year. And we all switched over to that because if you did it, there was correlation with higher ranking. So we all did it. And then they just scrubbed it kind of like Google plus they scrubbed it. But now if you're talking about your money or your life industries, healthcare, you know, finance are the, are the heaviestly scrutinized industries. I think this was really brought on partly because COVID and fake news and stuff like that. So this big responsibility of these companies to throw an algorithm on top of it, what we're finding the takeaway for, for people who, who might be trying to build a more authoritative site is have an author bio, which basically you brag about yourself. And if you've been featured anywhere, uh, have those links and hopefully they point to your website and mention you and you, know, you have your credentials all there on your author bio page. Make sure that the content you write on your website links it on that page with your author bio. Somebody has to be associated with that content. Mm-hmm especially if you're in finance or healthcare. And if that author doesn't really have anything on the web that showcases their credibility, um, that might be really difficult for Google to to rank that, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of how many links you build or how great the content is, because that's what they're looking at. But again, it goes back to competition. Like, is your competition doing it? Yes. And they have a nod up on you. Yeah, it's exhausting to stay on top of it. And then you're reading Google patent documentation, which is all legalese. And that's a curveball. That is sounds like a huge curveball. Uh, something yeah. that kind of comes out of left field. Yep. And like you say, a lot of the times Google changes the rules because of something that's happening outside of Google search or outside of search completely. Because right. like with COVID, right? You have this thing going on, COVID, fake news. Um, Google says, okay, well, we're going to be community responsible or socially responsible. Let's make sure that we're, you know, sending people to the right types of sites because we don't want them to be downing fish aquarium cleaner, right? Um, right. It is kind of a weird time, that's for sure. Now, when it comes to backlinks, you talked about the domain ranking. And I've looked at my domain ranking and on Moz 21, 22, and then... SEMrush, it was like 25, 26, and then AHRFs, it was 33. How come I have right. three very different uh, domain rankings? Yeah, good question. I have a, a SEO guy that I that I mentor, and he he gets mixed in, and he uses a different software, uh, Uber Suggest, and that's a different metric, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even get into like I I've used Uber Suggest too, but Uber Suggest yeah. seems to be similar to what what Moz, right? It's about the same. Every time Moz goes down one, Uber Suggest goes down one. If uh, Moz goes up, Uber Suggest goes up. So I'm thinking maybe it's tied into it. They're each specific to the software. They've each developed their own interpretation of this metric, right? And they're independent of Google. And yeah, Google does not look at it at all. Google doesn't care about your uh, domain rating, they all use their own internal algorithm. And for the most part, it's just an interpretation of your link profile. The research that I've read and why we reuse Ahrefs is because they tend to have the best link data, backlink data, the most up-to-date link data. So, I mean, I wouldn't get too mixed up in it, I think. And this is what I tell the guy that I, that I sometimes mentor with SEO. I was like, it's, a, it's what we call a vanity metric. He ended up selling his clients like, hey, I'm going to get your DR from five to 20. And the client like <laughs> held them to it. And, and moving a DR that much is, is pretty difficult. You know, you just, you can't just build three links a month for a year and then expect it to go up that far. I mean, again, it depends on competition. And, and, and for him, like small business, that's building two or three links a month. And you probably need 
500 links to get up to above a DR of 30 or something. And yeah, he put himself in a, in a, in a tough spot. And the client was like, what's going on? I'm like, what's the vanity metric? How are his rankings doing? And I was like, they look good. How are the leads? The leads look good. Like, what, what do we care about these these metrics? SEO, at the end of the day, is, do I rank? And does those rankings get me phone calls? Who cares about how much traffic you get? You know, if you get 100 visits and somebody else gets 1,000, but you get 10 leads and they get five, like, who's winning? Uh, you know, you are. People get tied up in metrics and 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 I'm trying to underplay metrics because they're very important at a granular level when you're interpreting data and making decisions off it. But small biz, which I feel are typically, if you've done a decent job on your own, no outsourcing, maybe you have 500 visits a month, 1,500, 2,000, if you've like really killed it on your own. And then when you step up into that, that next level, then you can go up to 5,000. 10,000. If you're a national brand, then you're, and now we're talking 50,000, 100,000 visits. And that's, I'm just throwing numbers out there based on experience. I mean, so hopefully nobody's like, man, I'm doing terrible or I'm doing awesome, but who cares? Your phone needs to be ringing. You need to be ranking for the things that. Those keywords yeah, that matter. That have intent, right? The intent is I need a service. I need a solution. I need a product, not, not just traffic generally. So let's say I have a 33 on I like, like, is it Ahrefs? Is that how you say that? Yeah, Ahrefs, yeah. Okay, 33. So you said they're going, okay, I've gone up, I've gone up. My traffic hasn't gone up. Yeah. Right? Because it's not about this number. It's about the keywords that you're using on the content on your site that are people even looking for what you're talking about. Right. Why is this number there? Like, why is it important for an SEO person to know what this number is? Because, I mean, all, although it's a, this vanity metric, it, it generally is tied to, you'll, the, you'll see a strong correlation with rankings and domain rating. Okay, what does Google look at when they're trying to rank a site? They look at the content, number one, and then they look at the link profile. This is how Google rose to the top of all search engines is because they had a better system that we all decided was the best search engine, and we decided that by using it mm-hmm. and making it whatever, 95% or 90% of our of our use over Bing and DuckDuckGo and the other ones. Google links, you know, we know that they use links to essentially consider a link to you as a vote. You look back at these softwares and they, they're analyzing that data and those numbers mean, okay, cool, I'm, move, I'm moving up in terms of what could be highly correlated with what Google wants with me ranking higher. Just how we are in the SEO world, if we're, if we're looking at sites and people to partner with, or like, let's look at the credibility. It's almost like an instant credibility factor if you have a high DR, if you're in the SEO world, or if you know what it is. Maybe your rankings aren't going up, but it's a sign that the, the steps are in place mm-hmm. that that should occur. If it's in, and there's usually a lag between the time you build a link to the time that link actually gets credited, which is like six months or more, minimum like six months. Most people don't know that. You build a link, like, okay, I built five links to this blog. My research indicated I need four to win out on that ranking of that primary keyword of that page. What's going on? Probably gonna take you six months to, to get there, right? And mm-hmm. God forbid you build one link a month for the past six months to get there. Then you have to wait for the last link. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all very exhausting and it's, it's so much data and so much analysis to go into to determine why don't I rank? And it's kind of fun, right? That's the fun part, kind of. The game. It. Yeah, like what? How can I beat this guy? And what's what's the deal? But using my last example, so let's say we're both trying to go for the same thing. I have ten links to my page. You have five links, and you're beating me. And and, and apples to apples, 
I should rank better, right? I have 10 links, you have five, but maybe your domain rating is 40 and mine's like 20. There is also quality backlinks. There's copy backlinks and quality backlinks, which, you know, one day I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, I'm going to check my Moz and it went from 25 down to 19. I'm like, what happened? So I did a backlink check and wow, somebody thought it would be funny to put me on a number of different escort sites in Asia, Russia, and the Middle East. No, it's not funny. Thankfully, I haven't gotten any calls because that would be awkward. (laughs) (laughs) That might be funny. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, how much? (laughs) At podcast, yes, I guess. You asked them too many hard questions. I don't know. No, I just all of a sudden, and and then it happened again, but this time it was with an owl sound. So I'm not really sure what it is about my site that somebody out there thinks that throw in a bunch of crappy backlinks to this to this website and see what happens. Right. I can comment on that. Sometimes we'll look at our domain rating or, or whatever link metric, DR, DA, and it'll go down. Sometimes that is it because they're doing a kind of a side-by-side comparison in their interpretation of your competitors. And maybe they built more links since their last index. We're both dentists. My DR goes down. Why? Maybe my competition built another 20 links that I didn't, or they built one link and it came from Forbes or, you know, dental association over here. Maybe. And that's why yourself can go down sometimes. It's not something that you did. And then on the other hand, in your example, like you got a bunch of spamming links, right? Like these aren't high value links. You were trying to build these. And you, you know, trust me, I do not want to be on escorts for Asia and the Middle East. <laughs> and so you can say, is Google penalizing my site for these? But from what I found out recently from this, this very expensive company that does the audits is that Google's paying less attention to really bad links and not like discrediting sites for them as much as they're trying to just look at your good links. I think most sites, if you actually dissect their link profile, there'll be a bunch of garbage directory sites in there or just like really get picked up. Like there's other sites, they just index the entire internet or as much as they can and they grab your site and put it on the directory and it's like you're listed there and you're like, this is a, a DR1 site that has no value. I need to disavow this. Like you probably don't need to you know, disavow it, which, which is for people that don't know, so you submit bad links to Google through webmaster tools and tell them, please don't pay credit for this link. I don't want it uh, against my link profile anymore. So the point is that what I found out recently is that yes, Google does not necessarily just look at bad links and then try to penalize you. They're really more just like, well, yeah, are there good links here? Are there reputable links here? Are there credible sites that we deem industry specific? Um, are there media men? Media is becoming more mentioned by major media publications. It's like the holy grail of SEO. I mean, it's probably been like that for a while, but now so more than ever, I'd say. Uh, let's do a switch because we've talked about links. Like you said, that's the second piece of SEO. And the first piece, the number one piece, the most important piece, can you tell me what that is? I'd say content, words, words on a page. So what would I need to know about content in order to know that I've got a good site? I think there's three things to know about content. First is the various stages of the sales funnel that relate to your content. Mm -hmm. Top, middle, and bottom of the funnel. So top of the funnel being 
how to do SEO. You're not looking to buy anything. You're just searching for information, but it's a very critical piece of information that drives a lot of traffic and typically top of the funnel will drive the most traffic and very unlikely to drive leads or conversions. You know, we said the middle of the funnel is more of like that consideration stage where you're like, okay, now I know, you know, what is SEO continuing on that example. And then consideration stage, middle of the funnel is like, okay, well, now I know that there's these software companies that exist that can help me with my SEO, right? That's my consideration stage. And then bottom of the funnel is that decision stage. Moz versus Ahrefs, or how much is Moz? And that's so, those are very distinct types of content that, mm-hmm. in a proper content marketing strategy, um, in creating content, you should build out. And what we do build out, and what we think about when we're creating content calendars and content marketing plans. And not that many companies do it well, if they even do it at all, in terms of content marketing companies. I think a lot of content marketing companies just create blogs. So that's one piece. The other piece, the other part is intent, uh, which is definitely related to that that first piece. And the intent behind some searches is to make a purchase decision. And I think people get tied up with that, which the third point would be uh, difficulty, uh, keyword difficulty, like volume, keyword volume have brand, a little bit more brand awareness. I mean, all, all of these are really brand awareness. When we talk about people generically typing in things, they don't know who you are, you rank well, they click on you, boom, now they know who Moz is, right? Software, uh, what have you, you top, type in, we use that example. And then the bottom of the funnel is really that decision-making. And then the intent changes with your searches. So we all know how we search when we're looking for things. Uh, concert ticket, best prices, or best robot vacuum cleaner. I encourage everybody to have those different pieces of content. So for example, like the money-making pages are definitely your service pages. Those are the ones that don't really get that much volume. They're not going to drive a lot of traffic, but those are the ones that are going to kind of help you cross the finish line. And convert. Yeah, they're going to help you convert. Middle of the funnel might be join your email newsletter or subscribe to your podcast, right? And top of the funnel is just kind of like brand awareness. You answer their question. Maybe they know who you are. Maybe if they move down the sales funnel later, they remember that you were part of that. Third part is kind of like those keyword metrics. So you build out your your static pages first, your service pages, which I would suggest. I would burst all of those in keyword research if possible. Mm -hmm. If you're a local company, do the keyword research and throw the word city on there. It's kind of a more in-depth conversation move on to your content strategy and you can kind of mix how to post that have high volume and then maybe you know middle of the funnel posts that are more like the decision making like Moz SEO software versus Ahrefs the SEO software. If your service pages are they're necessary, you have to build those pages, offer those services, right? So people need to know if they're going to land on your site. You have to build those. The blogs, however, are more optional, right? And I say that because just because you do keyword research and it's the first thing we all learn when we do SEO, it's like, oh, there's volume behind that. I should write this topic. But keyword difficulty is probably the most underlooked aspect for newbies because they don't understand how hard it is to rank for something. Mm-hmm. And that takes a little bit of time to kind of reverse engineer. Can I rank for this? It's like, well, you can't rank. Well, of course you can't rank for that. That's Walmart owns that. Or it's like realtor. Oh, that's a really difficult industry right there. Yeah, don't you can't you can't compete with Zillow on that one. Period. Like, don't even try. You can build a billion links. You you just don't have the same trust. So we look at that, right? And like that's what you need to know when you're creating content. If you if you do evolve to finding a software to help you, it's like okay, structuring content that doesn't just try to rank for one keyword. That's not really what it's about. I mean, we literally try to rank for hundreds of keywords with every piece of content. And we, and, and we do that with what's called the skyscraper technique. So yeah, that's what you got to know about content, which is 
there's layers within those layers. It's like one thing to be a good writer in the first place and communicate well. And then it's another thing to write to people and then write to search engines and then know, should I even invest in going after this because I stand no chance of ranking just so it's on my website because I want to communicate it. And it's, well, now I have to do a, a backlink audit as well to determine how many links I need to rank it because that's what's going to happen after you publish it. It's like, how am I going to promote this? Unless you have a billion social media followers and they can just click through and you can win like that. But that's, most of us don't have that luxury. Well, even then, I find when I look at my analytics, my biggest uh, bounce rates and my lowest amount of time on site comes from social media. Okay. And my yeah. highest amount of engagement comes from either Google, direct, or referrals. Yeah, I believe that. How much of that social media that's bouncing you know, all the time do I really want to put my effort into? Right. Yeah, and that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, you can argue on one hand, like, we got to do it all, right? We got to do social. And we got to do all the social. For us, it's content marketing and YouTube, socials hasn't really done that well for us a lot of our clients are kind of like b2b mm-hmm. social really doesn't do that well for them you know they they do better with seo and in pay-per-click and then if they and then if they do youtube which a lot of people are afraid to do youtube because there's obviously a lot of effort involved and i know you said you're going to do some youtube in your future that's in the future when i have somebody that i can hire to go and do all the editing because there's no way i'm gonna exactly. it's a whole other animal there yeah so um yeah, marketing is getting crazy. I mean, back in the day, it was just kind of SEO and Facebook. Now it's all these layers. So yeah, and I get questions all the time about what should I be doing now? It really does depend on the objective and the strategy. But I know that I can say that I used to spend two hours a day on LinkedIn. And I had well over a thousand impressions on all my posts. And I was building a following, but not it wasn't really going into clicks to my website because if I put a link into my website well those posts weren't really getting shown and the other thing was uh, once I stopped doing that and started focusing on the other pieces of the marketing funnel and wasn't working on it LinkedIn for two hours my impressions on my posts went down to under 100 because you get rewarded for the amount of time that you're on there and not making sales what it I mean all you're doing is what playing around yeah I found that I was getting more out of, I was getting better results from SEO. Now I'm creating a media, an authority, an authority site based on brand stories. Like I just want to be the Forbes of brand stories. That's right. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time. Right. And I'll get there. (laughs) One day I'll have a team. I don't know. I think think that's a great takeaway and approach though. Um, Niching down. Or niching down. I don't know how you say that word. I say niche because I'm Canadian. You know what? I don't even know if it's Canadian or American anymore. I say niche. Google loves niches. And it, it's also good from a branding perspective because you're just, you're known for this. What do you yeah. do? And then it's rather than trying to be a marketing agency that, that does everything for everyone, you know, what's your like how I like, started? Huh? <laughs> like how uh, I started out? <laughs> like, most, like most of us are. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I mean, we've, like if somebody comes to me and they can afford us, then 
will probably entertain it because we have a team that can do local SEO and then we have a team that can do software SEO and we have a team that can do e-commerce. So it's like, but at least you're niching down to SEO. You're niching down to SEO. Me, I was doing everything from social media to public relations to SEO to writing content to writing, helping them write their write and publish their books to publishing magazines. You know, I was just doing it all, and I'm a one woman right. show. Yeah. So people come come to me and keep on going. So what is it that you do anyway? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what I do is I help you tell your story to your marketplace. Right. Don't ask me about the how, but everybody wanted to know. I want to know. Can I hire you to do my website? Yes. Can I hire you to do my to do this? Yes. Can I hire you to do this? Yes. But really, what I do is utilize all of these channels to make sure that you are strategy. Your strategy is going to get the attention of your audience. You're going to build an audience. And I start with, here's the map of the digital footprint. Let's choose which, where you're going to be and let's see how it, you know, what's the customer journey, that kind of thing. Uh, But yeah, it just gets to be too much. And then you end up doing a ton of work and not getting, you know, yourself somewhere. And then all of a sudden, anyway, basically long story short, switching out of that and switching into this media site so that I can do what I love doing, which is creating content, telling brand stories and building, I guess, my own little, my own little mini empire. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I think it's, you can't be a dra- jack of all trades, master of none. People, people will see through that and carve out the lifestyle that you want. Um, you got to be good at something. One thing, don't be like mediocre at like five things, worthless. Like you have to be an expert at something and for brands. And when they're telling their story, I think that's how they got, they got to tell it. I really enjoy helping being a place where experts can become thought leaders. Yeah, which is which is hard to do. Like I've been trying to do it on LinkedIn. Like you've heard that e myth: the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. And basically, I'm the the entrepreneur who's not in the day to day stuff these days. And so it's like, oh, where should I spend my time? It's like, well, these marketing channels. And I'm so sick of like going on LinkedIn and be people are like take a picture of themselves doing their hobby. I read something interesting about like LinkedIn and targeting and and, and, and marketing in general. It's just don't try to talk to everybody. They don't, we don't care. Like just, just talk to the people for me. Like, I just want to talk to, to people who are building software companies. Like that's it. Do you, my advice to you sure. is to go out and just comment on posts that software companies do. Yeah. Yeah. They will see you because you've commented on their post. Wow. Somebody's commenting. They've asked us a question. Great. Let's answer that question. Oh, look at, I like what he said. Let's let them know that we like what he said. Then they're going to go and look at your profile. Yeah. Then yeah. they're gonna, that's and then they're gonna tell you that's how I built my back. That's how I built mine. All mine yeah. don't come from what I post. Mine come from going engaging out and up. commenting, engaging. And I tell that's people, yeah, and I tell people five. Just do five, right? Yeah. Five a day, right. five a day, consistently. Just do five a day. Can you do that? And yeah. at some point here, really quick, probably in a month, I'm going to be doing putting out to my email list. Hey, who's interested in doing 110? And basically that hundred is a hundred engagements in 10 days. So it's 10 posts a day for 10 days. Let's measure it. Let's see how it works. Did it work for you? Great. Let's keep doing it. Right. Right. Cause it works. It works because people aren't going out to find stuff for them. They're going out to find when they look at profiles and stuff, when they hit like and stuff, they're trying to get you to get their attention and right. so that you'll follow them. Well, hitting like any monkey can hit a like. Right. It's the person that puts a thoughtful comment in that looks at the content that goes and reads the article that comes back and asks the question to get deeper into the conversation. That's going to make an impact. Yeah. That's my two cents worth. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for coming by today. Growing your own brand and building your brand story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Listener, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you have any questions about how to do search engine optimization and generate more organic leads for your website, hop on to marketappeal.com, click on community, drop into the community, and ask any question that you have in regards to SEO. And remember, Market Appeal membership is free. And there are plenty of articles in the Unpeeled blog on SEO as well as in Appealing Magazine and here on Brand Appeal Podcast. If you have any questions, though, please drop them into the community and I will dive deep into the internet, talk with multiple experts and see what I can do to find you the answer that you need to increase the traffic on your website. Until next time, peel out.